The Florida Gators take on the Utah Utes in less than a month. Will Cam Rising be available for that game? We're going to talk about that here on Locked on Gators. You are Locked on Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Friday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants, Country, NFL 33. Also, if you have not yet signed up for Florida Victorious, be sure to do so. Use promo code LOCKED and save 20% off of your first month with Florida Victorious. Again, that's promo code LOCKED. But joining me now is going to be Brandon Carroll of All Gators. We're talking Cam Rising, we're talking camp, and we're going to have a blast. Joining me now for Locked On Gators is Brandon Carroll with All Gators and Carroll's Cadence on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to that. It's It's been nine days at the time of this release. It's been nine days since you started that. But we're talking here Cam Rising is the first thing we have to talk about because it's the least surprising thing ever, but Utah also just started camp like the Florida Gators, and Cam Rising is a limited participant. How do you feel about just his status for the game? Because I've been, since basically March, when I first started talking about this game, I was like, hey, I, I get it. He's going to play. Like I, I fully believe he's going to play but you could not pay me enough to believe that he's going to go out there and be like, be cam rising, like be, be the cam rising we saw against Florida last year. Yeah. I think just in what I've seen, I read an article earlier today of uh, Kyle Whittingham, the uh, Utah head coach. And he was just talking about the importance of the quarterback position, this camp for Utah, similarly to how it's important for Florida, not just to find that top guy, but also to kind of fill out the depth chart. That's where Utah's at right now. They want Rising to be healthy. They're trying to get him healthy, but he's a limited participant. Um, he's working in you know that limited capacity, not doing everything that he can do, but he's come out and said that I can do those things if I need to. Um, but Whittingham's been around the block once or twice. It's his 19th season as the head coach at Utah. He understands the importance of kind of building uh, not just competition behind Rising, but just building Rising to be able to play come week one. So he's not going to rush into anything here. Rising will play, but like you said, he's not going to be the same rising that we saw last year. And that's not necessarily a benefit for Florida in terms of, I still think he's dynamic as a passer. I still think he can beat Florida just as a pocket passer, but it's going to be a positive in terms of they're going to not have the seven rushes for 71 yards against them when he ends up, you know, when, when they play on August 31st, because that's what he did to them last year. And it was a, it was a problem. Florida is historically poor and at least in the past few years against rushing quarterbacks and rising exploited that weakness of Florida. So now you're going to have a guy that's sitting in the backfield for most of the game. He'll, he might scramble once or twice, but he's not going to be, like you said, that cam rising. And you're going to have a, First year, 30-year-old defensive coordinator already just bringing natural energy 
but bringing even more energy because it's his first game as an SEC defensive coordinator, juiced up, ready to go after the dude that tore his ACL nine months ago, you know, eight months ago. They're going to test him. They're going to throw the kitchen sink at Cam Rising, and whether he prevails or not is really the story of how this game will go. Uh, I think it's going to be close if they're able to kind of test him and he can't respond, and that's exactly what they're going to try to do when – there's that evident weakness that they already smell blood in the water and him being limited kind of shows even further right now that that's going to be the case come August 31st. Yeah. Uh, Cam rising can do all the things he needs to do. If he needs to, I can run a four one forty if I need to just, just so you know, um, just putting that one out there. Uh, I, I just can't get over everybody that, that is a Utah fan. That's just like, He's gonna be fine. No, he's not. He's not. He's not picking up four first downs with his legs this year. He's not doing any of that. He he's one of those guys where it's like, yeah, he's not super mobile. Like he's not gonna be Anthony Richardson out there or Jaden Daniels like picking up insane plays with his legs and picking up big yards. But it's those third downs that are killer for for the Florida Gators last year the entire season. But also with Cam rising in his legs that. That's just not going to be there, and I don't think that Utah fans recognize yet. Like, hey, he's going to play. He is a good passer. I give him credit for that, but he's not going to be able to do the thing that he's probably most lethal with, which is forcing you to defend that run. But how does his presence or lack thereof really influence just how you feel about this week one matchup? One thing I will say about Rising is, like like we've said, he's not going to run it at the volume that he did, but I wouldn't be surprised if he does try to take off once or twice just out of muscle memory because um, that's something he's been so good at while at Utah. Uh, really, and he showed it, I mean, really two years ago, um, proved that he could do it against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl and then continued it last season. He's been one of the top quarterbacks in the nation over the past few years if you just watch college football in general. He's not a Heisman contender by any means, but he's a consistent winner at the quarterback spot. There's a reason that they've won the Pac-12 two years in a row over good, you know, last year a good USC team, and just having that ability to, you know, kind of bring that dual threat ability while it's not to the scale of a Jordan Travis or an Anthony Richardson, etc. It's a big part of his game. So I do think that he's going to try at times, and who knows, maybe he will convert a first down. Uh, once or twice on his with his legs but just having him on the field for Utah is a huge advantage because not having him takes not only a good player off the field but it takes a leader off the field and I think that leadership is so important going into week one games because you have to really factor in that like we see what goes on throughout the offseason just being kind of really very attentive to programs but it is so hard to replicate in-game snaps when you don't have any under your belt, whether it's at that program or just in general. And so having him is going to help Utah immensely, not only uh, from a just success standpoint, but from a procedural standpoint. We're going to see Utah because they're, they're going to be the disciplined team that we all expected them to be. Um, last year they were. They're going to be that against Florida in week one. So it's really going to be a help for Utah. But I do think that, him not being able to run the football as often will give Florida, like I said, the ability to kind of throw a lot of different looks at him in pressures, which ultimately should help Florida keep it close when they go to Salt Lake City here in right under, you know, 28 days, right right at 28 days. 
Yeah. Um, I just, I just know, like you mentioned it earlier with Austin Armstrong. Like, I just know he's just like licking his chops because Utah loves to do that 13 personnel look that they're so good at. And like, that's great. But I'd imagine Austin Armstrong's like, do it. I, I do it. <laughs> do it. We're just going to send six at you. Cause again, you know, Cam Rising not going to be able to escape that. So I'm very much looking forward to just watching Austin Armstrong. Be, be, he's aggressive as hell as it is last year. 40% blitz rate, eighth highest in the nation. And I like I know he's probably not going to long-term sustain yeah. that in the SEC, but I'm looking for early week one with a quarterback that's coming off the torn ACL if he plays at all. Because you're either facing Cam Rising, very experienced, great leader, great, very good passer, mobile that is not going to be mobile, or you're facing a completely inexperienced quarterback – Either way, I'd imagine Austin Armstrong is like, okay, we're blitzing the hell out of him. Like, like it's as simple as that. Yeah, I think a lot of simulated pressures too. Uh, you know, you'll see Princely dropping back and sending a second-level defender or sending a cornerback, things like that, just because I don't know how aggressive they're going to want to be all game long because, like, you know, we talked about previously, this is a environment that Florida's not accustomed to. They're going out west. The altitude's going to be a factor. And, and if you're saying it's not, then you're wrong. I promise. It's it's a factor. It's it's real. And so, yeah, you want to go out there and have, you know, your eyes wide open. You want to go out there and just play wide open. But it's still – you have to be conservative at some points. And I think that that's going to be as a, a result of sending four, but it's just untraditional four. It's a – you know, the three down linemen, Princely dropping back and Jason Marshall Jr. is coming off the edge and they're playing in a cover three and little things like that. So if Florida plays in that sense and they're, they play a good mix of being ultra aggressive while also understanding the longevity of the game, I think that it will be a I'm, – I'm not going to sit here and say I think Florida's going to win it, but I will sit here and say I think they're going to keep it within 10 points. Um, if that's the in you know scenario, and we look back and say Austin Armstrong did a good job of kind of tempering himself to not want to send engage eight like he's playing Madden, because I guarantee you he's sitting there like I want to blitz, I want to blitz, I want to blitz. But that's not necessarily the ability that he has uh, with where they're playing, and also it just being week one and having so many unknowns for himself and on Utah with the changes that they made. Both teams have made this offseason. Yeah, I know that every time that I like on this show, every time I bring up, hey, like Princely's going to be dropping back in coverage. That's going to be a thing. I get it. He's a great pass rusher. He's going to be dropping yeah. back in coverage. Um, two big things about that. One, Patrick Tony had the same mindset of like, obviously not to near the extent of Austin Armstrong, but in the sense of we're going to drop back our good pass rushers because we're going to send pressures but protect ourselves on the back end from the big play, all that fun mm -hmm. stuff. And if you want to see how Austin Armstrong is going to do it, Florida Gator Twitter, at least, was crying during the spring game about, you know, so, so much pressure and so many, so many blitzes from the defense. You look at even just like the first three plays, if I'm not mistaken, Princely's dropping back in coverage on two of the first three plays. Like, like he's yeah. dropping back in coverage and they were still getting pressure. So that's not going to be a thing. You're, you're overloading sides. Everybody on this defense is a pass rusher except for the far field corner. That's it. That, that's the approach. Everybody's a pass rusher except for that side. So Florida Gators fans just be used to seeing that number one on Princely dropping back into coverage, 
everyone's dropping back. I, I, I don't want to see Desmond Watson drop back, but everybody else, I want to be a threat to just drop back in coverage and also be a, a pass rusher. So that's, that's just something that I have to say every single time. Cause I know every yeah. time they, Hey, Princely's dropping back. They're like, why is he dropping back? Cause he's supposed to do that. Okay. That, 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 that's, that's the name of the game in 2023. That's defense in 2023. So that should be the expectation for Florida Gators fans, but there's another way to, to get the, the expectation of what to see this year. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that is why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free with simple tools like screening questions makes it easier for you to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can prioritize who you'd like to interview and potentially hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. And that's fall camp has started. You've been there. You guys with all Gator yep. are every single day pumping out just, just the notes and, and the pictures, of course. And I know yes. Zach loves the pictures as well. So Zach, he, big picture guy. Yeah, Zach, Zach is a big picture guy. I know, I know he's out there with it. What have your impressions been of the very limited media viewing session so far? Yeah, so don't get me started about the the period in which we get to watch or the takes that come out of them because we get 15 minutes we don't get the entire practice period we don't get to see the team thing you know the team stuff the one-on-ones with wide receivers and corners things like that we get to see routes on air sled work uh running back kind of just swing passes it's it's not it's very vanilla of what we get to see but there are things to take away and while I am not going to sit here and say like, yep, I've determined that Graham Mertz is the starter <laughs> from the, you know, three, the 45 minutes of combined practice that I've seen. Um, I will sit here and say that I think that he is um, kind of the guy just, just in terms of what I've seen like from him. And then also what I've gathered uh, just sourcing wise, I think that he's going to be the number one. And I don't think that's a big shock. But I do think there is some competition at number two. And I know that's a, that's a conversation um, that a lot of people have been wanting to have. And that that is what we are having right now. Um, Max Brown and Jack Miller have looked like they are battling for that second quarterback spot right now on the depth chart. Um, I've loved what Jonathan Odoms brought to the table. I think that he's well on his way back to the field. Um looks fluid in the way that he's moving suffered a knee injury of his own in the bowl game last year, similar to Cam rising, kind of taking those steps back toward kind of being able to play in week one. Um, I, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to, but he looks like he's on his way back to being what is going to be one of Florida's top pass catching wideouts in 2023. And then Kamari Wilson safety, obviously five star from IMG Academy last year, came in, had his ups and downs. People have kind of questioned his long end speed, just being able to kind of be rangy in that back end. They have a lot of box safeties on this unit, but Wilson's looked similar. You know, he's looked fluid. He's looked faster. He's just looked better. He looks like he's understanding the, you know, the operation that he's 
you know, been given by Corey Raymond and this Florida staff. And I think that if I were to kind of see more from him just in the weeks moving forward, I would be kind of uh, my expectations would rise, you know, kind of rise a little bit for Wilson to perform in this back end because they're going to need pieces to step up. And Wilson's the number one we're looking at. Obviously, I think Mitchell, uh, Miguel Mitchell and RJ Moten are going to be the ones that kind of spearhead that unit. But if Wilson can step up and be someone that is at least serviceable to be able to play in a back end role in terms of being able to drop in coverage, but also come up and thump heads the way that he loves to do, then Florida's going to be in a great spot in that secondary uh, going into week one and throughout the rest of the season. So I loved what I've seen from him, loved what I've seen from Jonathan Odom. And QB2 is up for the grabbing. It's uh, it's up for the taking, and I think that we could see some movement there um, that maybe is coming sooner than expected uh, for Max Brown and Jack Miller heading into week one. Yeah, I I do want to touch more on Max Brown in a second, but first I wanted to circle back to Kamari Wilson because I feel like he's – I don't, I don't know how to how to word this without being rude to Gators fans, um, not not to Kamari, but I feel like he's a very sensitive player to talk about. Like every time that I say, hey, I think it's going to be Miguel Mitchell and RJ Moten, it's you're sleeping on Kamari. And it's like, I, I don't think that's the case. I think that based on what we saw last year and what we've, what we've heard about Miguel Mitchell, because I, I feel like that's been love the worst kept secret. Yeah, the worst kept secret yeah, is they love him. So I think that it's fair to say, hey, RJ Moten didn't come here to be a backup. The coaching staff loves Miguel Mitchell. It has nothing to do with with Kamari Wilson himself. It's just you start two safeties, and they're the guys. But it's also important to talk about safety three is going to play a lot. Like I, I yeah. don't think that the see like safety three is going to play a lot. There's going to be that that uh, rotation that you have. Yeah. But I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like Kamari Wilson last year. I don't think he was as bad as some Gators fans like to make him seem as a deep safety. I feel like everybody's like, oh, box safety. He, he yeah. can do the linebacker stuff that, that people want to talk about. But I feel like he wasn't as, as as bad deep as people. And granted, most of his deep snaps, I believe, came against uh, Eastern Washington. So it's not like it was this insane thing that he started in Trey Dean's spot for that game because, well, things. Uh, <laughs> but I, I feel like Kamari Wilson is someone who I don't think it's sleeping on him to say he's going to be safety three. I, th- I think that safety three is still a key contributor to this defense. But I will say that I think he has a little bit more range than some Gators fans give him credit for on the back end, at least. Yeah, I think I think he's at least growing there. I do. I will say if I, if you go back and watch some of the deep snaps that he took not against Eastern Washington, he just looks like he's a step behind. And I don't know if that was a if that's a mixture of being in a first year defense, kind of being in the first year of just collegiate ball in general, or just naturally being slower than your average safety. Um, and, and Florida fans know all and well about guys being slower than your average safety from this safety group in years past. Uh, but I think he's taking steps in the right direction. Obviously he's not going to jump from a four, six to a four, four any, any soon, if at all. But I do think that just being able to one diagnose things faster, which is a natural progression that we see for most players when they're kind of building uh, on their freshman season and to just understanding the importance of getting out of the hole quickly. So if you, if once you diagnose, you have to be able to attack and just being able to attack at a rate that allows him to make plays at a consistent rate and obviously wrapping up and 
uh, the fundamentals of just making tackles. I think he's on his way to being that kind of key contributor for in that third safety role, which could eventually lead him into starting later in the year. Cause RJ Moten is going to start for Florida this season, but that doesn't mean he's going to start all year long because he's the, he's supposed to be the communicator in this defense. He's supposed to be the guy that comes in, keeps them organized. He's the quarterback of the defense. That's how Florida runs this scheme. They run with through the safeties and it trickles down into the linebackers, cornerbacks into the defensive line, et cetera. So with everything they're trying to do, Wilson has a path to being able to step into that starting spot. It just relies on him showing that progression from year one to year two in terms of being able to play in that deep zone, play in range, play in coverage, and not just be one of the hardest hitters coming downhill that Florida has on their defense this year. Because he's going to make some highlight plays that makes everyone go, oh, yeah, that man can thump some heads. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he should be on the field every play because they're going to drop back in coverage. You don't want him to go over the top, you know. So it's you don't want the opposing team to go over the top, I should say. So just little tweaks to his game that are going to kind of be evident once we get into the season. But it's just a continuous development that Florida's really going to be looking for to finally insert him into that into that spot. Because if he gets inserted into that spot and excels, he's your top safety until he leaves the University of Florida. I mean, maybe Xavier feels same once he steps in can have a I like him a lot. I think he's going to be a guy, but he's going to be kind of your leader in that back end, at least until um, they, you know, he departs from Florida. For a championship team like the Florida Gators are trying to build, it's all about making sure that every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. That's why the Florida Gators spend so much time evaluating talent to make sure things fit just right. So the next time that you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around, so there's no need for the transfer portal that often, right? Just add your ride to my garage, look for the green check to know the part will fit, or you get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it is easy to bring home a championship and a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. And now, now we will circle back to the the propaganda machine that I'm that I'm running here. Uh, I, look, I, I'm team not not Max Brown QB one twenty twenty three. I'm not going to be that asinine. Um, but I will say, I am fully on board with going into twenty twenty four, whether Graham Mertz is still here or not. Going, hey, put Max Brown in the competition. That's all I want to see. I just want to see him in the competition. I'm not I'm not here saying 2023 QB1. I'm here saying 2024, give him a shot at, at that spring ball and, and fall camp. But how has he looked so far? Because I know, uh, I believe it was Zach Goodall who said it, or I think he tweeted it out yesterday. He's like, hey, Max Brown, from last year to this year, there's just a complete difference. He looks significantly better from last fall camp to spring ball this year and then from spring ball to this fall camp he just looks like he's taking strides so so how's he looked in your opinion i think if we're talking just 
physical traits and just the ability to throw a football. I think Max Brown is the best of what Florida has. I think the zip that he's able to put on the ball as it comes out of his hands, the rate at which he does it is just un kind of rivaled in this Florida quarterback room. But I think there are still question marks regarding his timing. I think he's a second late on a lot of the throws, even if it's, you know, routes on air. It just seems like he's still working in that area, working on just making the having that clock in his head to get rid of the football, knowing when guys are going to turn in that. So that's what really has put him um, – that's removed him from that quarterback one debate. But it's a weird dynamic that Florida has going on right now because it's a quarterback one battle between Graham Mertz and Jack Miller. But then it's a quarterback two battle between Max Brown and Jack Miller. But I think Max Brown is the one that's ahead of Jack Miller. Because you watch Jack Miller, there's just there's not a lot of life in his football. You know, it, it, it seems that it'll die before it gets to the wide receiver. Um, and it seems almost as if he's just remained stagnant since he's gotten to Florida. And that's not necessarily me trying to bash him. It's just, the it's a fact. It's, it's reality. And so you're seeing that based off what we saw when he started last year against Oregon State, based off what we saw in the spring game, and then the limited amount that I've been able to see this fall. Now we're going forward and we're saying, this Max Brown kid could actually make some make some waves. But then at the same time, it's more of so of if Florida needs a spark, if Florida needs to, you know, have a guy come into the kind of play that. Let, let me set the stage here. You remember a few years ago when Kyle Trask would get automatic, just pulled out of the game and Emory Jones would come in and kind of have his few snaps and then he'd get pulled right back out for Kyle Trask. That's the Max Brown role if he's QB2. He comes in, gives him a spark, and then leaves the game. If Graham Mertz gets hurt, Jack Miller goes in. So it's like a weird dynamic they have going on right now with that QB two spot. But I do think that if we get more from Max Brown and just being able to make the progressions quicker, I think that he's the one that jumps into that QB two spot in either scenario. And then as we go throughout the rest of the season, it's uh, almost definitive. We'll on the, on the depth chart, it'll be Graham Mertz and then Max Brown or Jack Miller, but it's going to be that that's going to be the order especially as we get into weeks five, six, seven, if the progression continues and Jack Miller remains stagnant as he has really since he arrived from Ohio state last off season. Yeah. I feel like with Jack Miller, it's kind of just like fatigue, I guess of like wanting him to take the next step, but it's been yeah. two spring games of, of not doing that. And, and it's like at both times he's showed up, it's been, well, both years he's been here. It's been, Oh, he's in the QB one battle. And then it quickly becomes, Never mind, and that's just kind of how it goes with Jack Miller, and that's I feel like I'm at the point at least from like maybe that's just who he is. Maybe he's just Charlie Whitehurst, you know? Like that's yeah. just that's just funny thing be. is is he's he's never been in the QB one battle. I understand the the you know want for healthy competition at the QB one spot. We all knew Anthony Richardson was winning it last year, and the people that have really paid attention have known that it's Graham Mertz's job to lose. Uh, ever since he stepped on campus. You don't replicate 32 starts for a guy that started one game in three seasons at the collegiate level. Can't do it. I don't care if it came at Wisconsin. I don't care if it came at Eastern Washington. It's You get a guy like Graham Mertz who's played that amount of football. He comes in and he's playing football. He's starting on the field week one. There's no questions about it. And so just having Jack Miller in that conversation, sure, it's great. It's can create some healthy competition, push the guy in front of him. 
but I I just don't think there's anything to warrant him actually getting to play week one. And that's that's just the fact of the matter. I don't think there's much from him that has made me say, oh, he's legitimately in this competition. And right now, he might not even be in the competition for QB2. It's, it's looking as if, like I've said, Graham Mertz, Max Brown, Jack Miller. That's, that's how they're rolling with it, and that's probably what it's going to be uh, as they head out to Utah. And outside of quarterback, what are some other, I, I guess, position battles that you've got your eye on right now as we go in, again, through the 15-minute windows that you get to see? <laughs> yeah. Uh, defensive line. I, that is one of the deepest units on this team, especially on the interior. You know, you got what Austin Armstrong said a few days ago, seven guys competing for two spots. Cameron Jackson, Caleb Banks, Desmond Watson, Chris McClellan. That's your four deep. You have Will Norman, who's a freshman. Um, and, you, you know, you got freaking Tyreek Sapp. You got multiple dudes that are playing to kind of make their way into Jamari Lyons. I'm just, I can keep coming up with them if you want me to. I can just keep rolling off. But there are multiple guys that can really play in this scheme and play this, you know, those three tech and nose tackle roles for Florida this season. And that's so important for how they want to play football this year. Because if you recall last year, it was Gervon Dexter and Desmond Watson. That's what they had there. Jalen Lee was non-existent. You really didn't have anyone behind him until Chris McClellan stepped up later in the year. And it showed in the way that Gervon played. He was effective, but he was nowhere near being able to compete at his maximum capacity because he didn't have the ability to have guys rotate in for him, be able to make his, their you know mark and, and not have, see any drop-off in production. But now you have really four dudes plus three that can continue to make waves. Tyreek Sapp will play a lot more outside. He'll play that five-tech um, more consistently, but he can play inside. But you got Watson, McClellan backing up Banks and – you know, Jackson, you'll, you'll see different combinations of the, them, but that rotation is so important for defense alignment, especially defense alignment as big as what Florida has. You can get these guys to play 30 snaps a game, a piece you're winning, you know, 25, 30, just split it up to where it's like, they're continuously getting these snaps, but they're being able to maintain their wind. Fourth quarter comes, you're not moving that wall. That's a mountain in the middle. That is massive human beings in the trenches and that's where games are won games are won in the trenches so you got seven dudes competing for two spots that are able to come out and win florida games in the trenches come on man that's the best possible scenario florida can have and they've done it they've rebuilt that position so quickly so that's a hundred percent the position i'm watching you're saying you know you can i'm I'm a big skill position guy i can talk to you skill positions all day long but i'm not going to sit here and lie to you defensive line is looking better than it has in quite some time for Florida. And if you remember, when Florida plays good defense, it's because that defense line, there's some dogs. They got some dogs on that defense line. They got some dogs there in the interior now. So, man, I, I've been I've been interested to see how they progress and how they complement each other. And so I kind of – I was watching quarterbacks the other day while I was there, but I was also like keeping – I was like, oh, let's, let's take a look at what's going on over there with Cam Jackson, you know. So just little things like that. But, yeah, it's uh, – a. It's a fun time for that defensive line right now, um, especially if you're a Florida fan. Yeah, I not, just not just in the not just in the building, I should say. Yeah, I, I just keep thinking of like imagine being like a center or a guard 
spending the entire game just going against big dudes yep and like you're like all right they look like they're getting winded and then just like you got des <laughs> chris mcclellan walk on i'd be like coach my neck is is something just like give, give me a second just because i i cannot imagine spending your entire day just just having to go through essentially the gauntlet that's going to be yeah. the gators interior defensive line this year it just yeah. sounds like absolute hell if you're an offensive lineman yeah and if you see any type of like progression from will norman this year that's a fifth because i'm gonna i'm not gonna sit here and say that i think that he's gonna play consistently this year but I'm also not going to sit here and say that it's out of the realm of possibility, even with how deep this unit is, because they're looking for four or five guys. Sure, Jamar Lyons is is older. He can take that step if he needs to. Tyreek Sapp can play there if he needs to, but he's probably going to play more on that outside in, in certain scenarios. Um, but Will Norman, I have a feeling that he's going to find his way onto the field faster than many expect because he's just a he's just a worker. I, I've, I really have not seen many players that are grinders the way that will norman are i think he's one of the hardest workers they have in that locker room and you know he'll post on social media showing him doing some things every now and then but that is not nearly the extent of which he works he completely reshaped his body before he committed to florida he was someone that kind of looked as if he was a bit overweight his weight was not great in the way that he carried it but then he commits to florida and you just see a drastic transition from him being in that shape to being in really game shape, like ready to go immediately. And because of that, I would not be surprised if he is someone that we see on a exponential rise for this Florida defense, not just this year, but obviously moving into the next few years. Uh, but let's give him, you know, let's, let's see him get some burn at uh, games eight, nine, 10, et cetera. Because that's really where Florida is going to kind of try to separate themselves is you're going to see a lot of young pieces play as they did last year because they're playing in the present, but they're building for the future. That's where Florida's at right now. Play for the present, build for the future. Will Norman's the future at defense line. Yeah, I'm very excited to see Will Norman. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying, of course, he's a hard worker. He's he's from the Northeast, you know, that's all. <laughs> That's, that's what I'm going to, I'm going to pat myself there. Um, thank you so much, Brandon. This is Brandon Carroll with all Gators and Carol's Cadence. And also by the time you're listening to this, it is Friday, which means new episode of Carol's Cadence has dropped. Be sure to go watch that. And you will see Brandon Carroll here next Friday as well. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back Monday to talk more Florida Gators football. We might do a bonus episode. We'll see. Kyle Trask is kind of cooking right now in Tampa Bay. We might have to talk about that. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33, and I will see you all, well, when I see you.